Hi everyone, Mistress Harley here. Just making sure that you have another sexy day on the Sex and Fetish podcast. Today I'm introducing a new segment I call Sex in the News because sexuality always sells and there are a lot of crazy stories coming out because everyone's at home masturbating because of the COVID crisis. Everybody was at home masturbating before, but now more than ever. So let's take a look at some of the top stories about sex in the news, and you'll get to hear my delicious commentary. My favorite story about sex in the news comes from Tenga. If you're not familiar with Tenga, they make mostly male-oriented sex toys like strokers and masturbators, and they announced on July 31st that they're going to send a rocket into space that will be carrying sex toys. Now, They're just launching their sex toys into space. They're not sending them to anybody. There are no astronauts that are benefiting from these sex toys in space. Wait, I said that wrong. Sex toys in space. (laughs) So this seems just like masturbation, a little bit of an effort in futility. So you literally are launching masturbators into space that will orbit the earth like all the other space trash, and no one's even going to get to masturbate with them. The president of Tenga basically issued a press release saying sexuality is a part of us and I want to take my opportunity to send sex toys into the future. And I mean, at this point, space is kind of a giant trash can, satellites and trash. So the idea of sending useless sex toys into space really says more about humans and how sex-obsessed we are even when we can't have it. And if anything exemplifies that, it's a bunch of masturbators orbiting the Earth. But I like to think of a time when aliens would show up, come to Earth, you're going to have first contact, the fucking Vulcans are here, but they run into a cloud of Tenga masturbators. What do they think about the people that live on this planet and our priorities? It'll be interesting to see how that publicity stunt goes. Unfortunately, our other big topic about sex in the news has to do with the ongoing crusade of Visa and MasterCard against adult content. More and more sites are being forced to do compliance reviews to make sure that they abide within the new requirements of Visa MasterCard in order to keep using Visa MasterCard. Most of you already know that Pornhub was not adhering to those standards, like verifying that all performers are over the age of 18 with a signed model release. In the United States, this is called 2257 compliance because 2257 is the regulation that requires that producers be able to prove that all performers in their content are over the age of 18 and consented to having this 
action filmed than published. So sites are having to do these hard line reviews, and more and more things are getting censored. Words like blackmail, anything having to do with intoxication, so poppers, alcohol, drugs, anything. I'm sure if you're a performer, you might have seen some of your content get flagged and removed recently. If you were talking about topics that were previously okay, but now are not okay, and as we know, Pornhub had to move to a crypto-only payment method system, and we're going to see a lot of sites doing that too. And this is affecting performers who have decades worth of videos and content that are now getting flagged and pulled because these things that were okay are now no longer okay. So look for that porn crackdown, everybody. Apparently, the credit card companies are working with these super right-wing Christian organizations that want to abolish pornography completely. You see, in the United States, the Supreme Court will not allow pornography to be abolished because so much of it is in the eye of the beholder and is protected by free speech. But you don't need the government to censor pornography if you can get all the payment processors to do that. This is known as the chilling effect, and the goal here is to disrupt the adult industry without actually having to pass any laws or legislate or deal with the First Amendment. So it's not a fun part of of the adult industry, but it is what's happening in the world. So if you're wondering why you can't find videos with your favorite fetishes anymore, by the way, Visa MasterCard has included anything that is called hateful content. You could argue that femdom is hateful. It is misandrony. You could argue that humiliation play is hateful because you use words that are demeaning to the viewer. Of course, we know that there have been issues with race play, rape play, anything that even hints of non-consensuality is being smothered out by the credit card companies. So if you can't find your content, blame Visa MasterCard. On a lighter note, one of the sex in the news items I was happy to see this week is that OkCupid, the dating site, has unveiled like 19 new different identities after Pride Month. And some of those identities include twink, hard femme, drag queen. So if you have one of those identities, you are welcome on OkCupid. I remember a long time ago, OkCupid even offering queer as a gender selection. And it was one of the reasons that I liked OkCupid. You could actually look for people who were not cis. And I enjoyed that. Because the binary is a lie. Sorry, everyone, it's a lie. But really what's cool is seeing that dating sites like OkCupid recognize that these are not just lifestyle choices. This isn't just an answer of like whether you're looking for a male or a female to have a relationship with, that people are more complicated than that. They identify in a more complicated way and they want partners that maybe are not within the binary. And myself, when I look for actual romantic partners, I look for people that do not identify as cis het males. Cis het males 
do not typically have behaviors that I appreciate. Yeah, they're fun to fuck every once in a while. You know, have someone you can call when you want some D. But do you actually want to talk to someone about your feelings? Go cat shopping? Probably not a cishet male. So it's nice to see that OkCupid is recognizing that these things, these identities, and the things that people are seeking are important enough to actually call out on your dating profile. Because dating doesn't just mean you're looking for someone in a similar lifestyle that will go to lunch with your parents. Dating these days is more complicated. People have needs. And one of the things I've been saying for a long time is that kinky is a sexual orientation. That's not to say that being gay or straight or bi or pan or trans or anything else is any less important, but that your fetishes are an integral part of your sexuality. Your fetishes determine whether you are turned on and want to have sex or not. Some people with real hardline fetishes, and I include submissives and dominants, need a certain kind of interaction to even be excited, to be turned on. And quite frankly, I don't get turned on if there aren't certain specific kinky elements integrated into what I'm doing with a partner. So why would I want to date vanilla? Really, when you're a kinky person, dating vanilla is just an effort in futility because you might learn that you really like someone and you guys really like watching movies together and blah, 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 blah. But then you're left unfulfilled because they just won't do that one thing you wish they would do. Take control of you allow you to take control, ass to mouth. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that finding a sexually compatible partner is just as important as finding a partner that is on the same page about having kids, having dogs, where you live, the kind of lifestyle you live. So being kinky, being genderqueer, and having more than one option for these things when you're dating is really important. I really like OkCupid because you can answer like 10,000 questions and rate how important the answers are to you of your partners. So when I used to have an OkCupid profile, I answered questions like, are you dominant or submissive? Dominant. How important is this? Very important. And that way I knew that my matches would be curated based on how other people had answered similar questions and whether their answers matched what I was looking for. So this is not an ad for OkCupid. I was not paid. This just came up in the news and I thought, Finally, finally, one of these dating sites realizes how important these identities and fetishes are to people. So I guess if you're looking, go look on OkCupid. So that's it for Sex in the News today. Although I have to say, the news is not very sexy. But what is sexy? Our topic for today, which is female-led relationships. Now, my disclaimer here is that female-led relationships are obviously about a cishet normative juxtaposition. What do I mean by that? I mean that a female-led relationship has a woman in it and a person who does not identify as a woman. 
lesbian couples don't need to have female-led relationships. You're both women. So typically, these are relationships where men and women decide to flip the script, meaning that instead of the traditional patriarchal relationship where the man is the one making the decisions, the he wears the pants kind of relationship, it's where she wears the pants, where she makes the decisions, where she is acknowledged as the boss of the house, the one that has to be deferred to when it comes to making major life decisions or sex decisions or any decisions. Female-led relationships can often incorporate other fetishes like chastity or bondage or TPE, which is total power exchange. But ultimately, the idea is just that the woman is in control. I actually wrote a book about female-led relationships. It's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and everywhere else. It's called Female-Led Relationships. And in the book, I talk about how, if you're a woman, how to get a man to submit to you so that you can lead the relationship, as you rightfully should, and how, if you're a submissive man, you can talk the woman that you're in a relationship with into the idea of being in control. Because ultimately, women naturally are control freaks. Women do naturally often want to be in control of their environment, of their life and how they live. And so a lot of women really embrace female-led relationships when they realize that it's not just about sex. It's not about keeping your husband in chastity and making him scrub the floor, although that can be part of it if you want it to be. No, it's more about deciding who gets to pick the couch and where the furniture goes and who does the cooking and the cleaning and honey I'm tired I want you to draw a bath and rub my feet once women realize the benefit of a female-led relationship it's really hard to go back and my first female-led relationship was probably my first relationship As even a high schooler dating, I would tell guys how it was going to be. I didn't ask them to do things for me. Honey, will you carry my bags? No. It was always understood. If you want to be with me, bitch, you're going to carry my bag. So even in high school, guys would carry my shit and do what I wanted. And really, when you're a high-value woman, meaning that there are plenty of people that want you, you can dictate your own terms for a relationship. Why would I cook and clean when there are a thousand guys who would cook and clean just to be with me? And in female-led relationships, there is a concept that women deserve to be cherished, spoiled, pampered. That's the whole point. When women are turned off by female-led relationships, it's because their partners make them feel like they have a job they have to do. So, like, I have to work all day, and then I have to come home and tell you what to do. That's also work for a lot of women. 
Unfortunately, when a lot of men approach the topic of female-led relationships, they tend to approach it as they approach all things selfishly. They only think about what they are going to get out of this relationship. This is what some of the guys who call me sound like. Hi, Mistress Harley. How do I get my wife to like lock up my cock and make me watch porn all day and then like deny me sex and then make me masturbate? And I always respond with, what would your wife get out of that? What would she enjoy about that experience? And of course, men are so dick-focused and so narcissistic that they just can't approach these problems from what would she want out of it. But lads, listen up. This is how you pitch a female-led relationship to your partner who thinks that dealing with your ass is already a lot of work. You tell her, honey, I want you to be happier, and so I really want you to communicate to me what I can do to help you. If you need me to do the laundry or do the dishes or scrub the floors, I would be happy to do that. And I want you to know that I know that sometimes even sex is not what you want. I want everything to be what you want. So how about we lock me in chastity and then you only unlock me when you want to have sex with me, when you feel like I've earned sex with you. See how it sounds like you're actually giving the woman a gift, giving her control, as opposed to asking her to do something for you. Honey, lock up my cock so that I don't have to blah, blah, blah. Like, see the difference in the approach? Now, ladies, if you have a man and you want him to be more submissive, more subservient, and have a female-led relationship, you can pitch that to him too. You can tell your man that you don't want to have sex unless it's on your terms, that his behavior is so traditionally patriarchal that it turns you off, and that you just want more equity and more control in the relationship. That's not untrue. And once the man starts seeing the benefits of your control, he's more likely to defer to you. So I found that whenever I locked a guy in chastity, he became much more productive. That project he always wanted to do, he finally did. I want to write a book. Well, once you're in chastity, you're going to write that fucking book. If you know that you're not going to get your cock unlocked until you write the book that you've said for years and years and years that you want to write, you'll do it. And then the boys are so happy that they finally managed to accomplish something. Because let's face it, men are kind of addicted to their own penises and they are distracted by their hormones. When they get horny, they get distracted. They spend a lot of useless time looking at porn and masturbating. So much time that they could build a fucking chicken coop or whatever it is they've said that they want to do. Learn German. Learn to play the piano. Think of all the extra time a man has once he can't just play with himself all day. 
So female-led relationships are the future. I really believe that women are a civilizing force. Without women, guys would still be living in caves, wearing animal skins, and worshipping the fire. But women force civilization, not just because of child-rearing and the need to have a stable environment, but because women are a thing that are a luxury. You're not entitled to having a woman. You have to create an environment that a woman would like to be in. My preferred environment is one with a spa and a pool and palm trees and sun and bikinis. So if you want to make an environment that would attract a woman, you need to think about what a woman would want. And if you can't think about what a woman would want, maybe a woman will come in and make that environment. So the whole idea behind a female-led relationship is happy wife, happy life. So stay tuned after this message from our sponsor for an all-new listener mail. So let's see what kind of perverted voicemails I have today. As a reminder, you too can send me a voicemail to be featured on my podcast. Just go to mistressharley.com forward slash sex podcast and you can click the message button and record a message that will get sent right to me. Well, my name is Vincent. I am a French slave and um, recently I signed a legal debt contract with Mistress Harley, the first one, with lots of fees and interest and penalties that, it, that make it very difficult to pay back. And then, um, then I got even weaker and um, I decided to sign a second legal debt contract with a larger amount larger interest fees and penalties and now I am totally drowned and unable to escape and I will never be able to pay off the debt I am so drowned and so weak and can't help myself Yes, that was a message from one of my long-term slaves in France, Vincent Hubert. I think he might even be exposed on loserhallofshame.com. But Vincent is so hungry to be indebted to me forever that he actually did sign two legally binding debt contracts. And if you're familiar with my legally binding debt contracts, you know that they are drawn up by a lawyer and they are drawn up to be specific to the locality that the person who has to pay me is so that I can sue them or even sell their debt to a debt collection agency if they don't pay. And yes, that includes international boys because did you know that the U.S. and many countries all over the world have debt and trade agreements in order to do business? <laughs> so Vincent Hubert has has become terribly entangled in my web of debt, and as you can tell, he likes it. So this wasn't a question. I guess this was just a message saying, I love Mistress Ali. I am so in debt to her. I can never pay her back. So uh, one of my favorite things to do is make fun of all your accents, by the way. <laughs> Hello. 
I'm Mistress Harley's property. She owns me for years, and she will continue owning me forever. I've converted to her religion. I worship her every single morning from the bathroom, hiding from my family. I chant her name, Harley Akbar. Harley Akbar, every morning and evening and afternoon and night. She has taken over my brain. She has taken over my body. She owns it all. She is my owner. Thank you, Mr. Sonali, for owning me. Ah, yes. One of my many converted Muslim slaves. And obviously, religious humiliation and conversion is not just a popular fetish amongst all religions, but is especially popular for Muslim slaves who love to worship a Jewish goddess. As I've talked about before, many fetishes involve anything that is considered taboo in your culture. If hats were considered taboo in America, there would be a whole bunch of crazy hat fetishists just begging me to put on a hat. Mistress Harley, I know you're not supposed to wear a hat, but please. And I see religious humiliation conversion fetish much the same way way, particularly with guys who are Muslim, because their whole lives they've been told that they shouldn't worship Jews, certainly. They've been told that Jewish people are maybe even the enemy. But what happens when you find yourself attracted to and wanting to submit to a Jewish woman when you're a Muslim man? You have to accept that maybe your previous religion was always wrong, and that worshiping a living God that can speak to you, own you, and give you purpose in life is superior to praying to a big sky daddy God that never answers your questions or your prayers, one that you can't talk to, one that specifically tells you to deny pleasure. Now, I believe that we exist to experience pleasure. I guess I'm a bit of a hedonist. Life is short for those of you who are not immortal, so you may as well enjoy the pleasures of life while you can. And certainly people who come from repressive cultures, and I'm talking about you too, Catholics, are always looking for an outlet that makes them feel good without the intense amounts of shame and guilt that come with religion. So yeah, I've converted a lot of Muslim guys to worship me, and many of them call themselves my property. And I'm not just talking about this guy in Dubai. I have slaves in Qatar, Saudi Arabia, uh, Jordan, Morocco, and yes, even in Palestine. Guys call me 
from Palestine and beg me to take their homes when I make Aliyah and immigrate to Israel as Olim. And if you think this is crazy, then you just haven't been paying attention to the big wild world of fetishism, sexuality, and really human self-expression. What's more rebellious against a fascist religion or regime than to do the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. So yeah, you know, a lot of these guys call me and they want to say Harley Akbar and Insha Harley and call me Allah Harley. And that's what they enjoy. So why would I discourage them from doing it? No, I actively encourage them to do it because obviously that's what they want to do. And as a powerful woman, I do like owning men and making men into property and making that property work for me. Just like if you owned a horse, you would want it to work for you. So yeah, I own a lot of men. They do a lot of things for me and I've owned many of them for years and years and years. But speaking of turning men into property, ladies, if you're listening, I want to help you. Do you have a unruly boyfriend that just doesn't listen, a husband that doesn't know how to please you, or even just a sub who doesn't follow instructions? I do offer one-on-one consults, and you could even hire me as a life coach to life coach you or life coach your man. You don't have to tell him that I'm Mistress Harley. You can bring me in as a nice unbiased expert to help you figure out the issues in your relationship and counsel you through disagreements. Disagreements which will always end up in the ladies' favor. So if you need me, you can always reach me on mistressharley.com forward slash learn to dom. Learn to D-O-M-M-E. Hello, mistress. It is Sally. I have a non-fetish-related question for you, and it is in regards to everyone's favorite sci-fi series, Star Trek The Next Generation. My question is in regards to the Borg. Now, we all know the Borg poses a great threat to the Federation. My question is, do you believe the Borg poses the greatest threat to the Federation? And if they do not, then who does? Bye. Well, those of you who watch my YouTube videos or have followed me for any significant period of time know that I am a huge Star Trek fan. I was featured in the Deep Space Nine documentary called What We Left Behind that was released theatrically worldwide. I even got to go to the famous Man's Chinese Theater here in Los Angeles and see myself on the big screen for the premiere. It was very exciting. So... To answer this question, is the Borg the biggest threat to the Federation? I guess that all depends on your perspective. The Borg think that they're bringing all the species they assimilate closer to perfection by assimilating them. So if I was the Borg queen, that would certainly be my opinion, that to assimilate all these lesser life forms into an amalgamation of cybernetic and biological life forms would actually be a superior existence. Plus, if you look at the Borg queen, I think 
think they're immortal. You can replace parts, you can swap out bits, you don't need to have a mortal and puny existence when you could be turned into a cybernetic robot being. But that leaves your other question, who is the biggest threat to the Federation? If you watched Star Trek Deep Space Nine, I think the biggest threat to the Federation is probably the Dominion with their army of drug-addicted super soldiers. So if we want to keep looking at some of the villains of Star Trek, there's also the Cardassians who could turn on you at any moment, the Romulans who are sometimes frenemies, sometimes foes, but it's certainly never the Ferengi who are my favorite species of the Star Trek universe. I did notice that you never see any Ferengi Borg. In all of those scenes where there are 10,000 Borgs marching around, you never see a Ferengi Borg. And that makes me wonder if the Ferengis are paying the Borg to stay away, or if the Borg know that the Ferengis are so awesome that they don't need to be assimilated because we need the Ferengis to run uh, interstellar spatial commerce. So I hope that answers your Star Trek question. And I encourage, if you have any Star Trek questions, listeners, please send them to me because the only thing I like talking about as much as kink is Star Trek. If that last listener mail proves anything, it's that we are all multifaceted people, that kink is an aspect of our personalities. And as we go through the journey of life, we figure out and explore all these little facets, whether they're about your outlook, your philosophy, your religious practice, your kinky sexuality, your preferences for entertainment. All of these things create the person that you are. Some of you might have noticed that I have a lot of tattoos, and my left arm sleeve is almost entirely quotes from authors that I respect and enjoy. One of those quotes is from Walt Whitman, who says, I am large. I contain multitudes. And as you listen to this podcast and enjoy my content and even go on your own journey of sexual exploration, I want you to remember that, that you contain multitudes. You're not just a submissive. You're not just a dominant. You're not just a sexual being. You also have many roles that you play in life. I think Shakespeare said it best, all the world's a stage and the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and in his time, a man plays many parts, the acts being of seven ages. I won't go into the seven ages bit, but really... Your life is so full of different roles that you play. You are a different person when you're with your parents. You're playing the role of a child. Then when you're with your lover, you're playing the role of a lover or a partner. Or if you're at the doctor's office, you are a patient. If you're watching a movie, you're a viewer. Right now, you're a podcast listener. And all of these components and facets come together to make the little gems that human beings are. 
And I hope that all of you listening have accepted and explored all those facets of your personality. So I'm not just a dominatrix. I'm also a Star Trek fan, a horror movie fan, a tattoo enthusiast. I am a long distance runner. I run a 5k every day and try to do at least one 10 mile run a week. I have a lot of different interests, but the kinky ones are the most titillating, of course. So I encourage you all, you can send me your questions on mistressharley.com forward slash sex podcast. There's a message button and you can ask me a question about anything, anything from movies, TV, wrestling. I am a wrestling fan and anything else that comes to mind. I do enjoy talking about more than just kink. And oftentimes I think these things all tie back to kink. So why do I like professional wrestling? Because it's a half-naked guys grappling around on the ground, almost kissing, and then establishing who is dominant over the other one. You can see through the lens of kink and sexuality how a lot of these things are interconnected, if not necessarily related. So have a sexy day, and if you want more of me, you can find me on YouTube, Spotify, everywhere. Just Google Mistress Harley and click on all those knowledge panel buttons. And of course, all of my links are on mistressharley.com.